0: is Friday Game Changers taking your business to the next level. Coming up on Kissy's Friday Game Changers.
1: We call that the prepared mind. When that moment comes where you have to make a decision if you have thought about the alternatives and you have thought about what you would do in the case of the most likely alternatives, then you're not going to be surprised and you're already going to know how to proceed. You're not going to be starting from scratch, you're going to know how to proceed down that alternative path and you'll do it much faster, quicker. And also, I like to say it's a completely irrational act to start a company. Mm. makes no sense at all the odds are completely against you nobody wants you nobody needs another one or whatever you're doing they don't want to make room in their head for you um, so it's completely irrational but if you're going to be irrational which obviously lots of people do I did you know, it's, it does happen uh, then it's an unnatural act to make it successful and by a natural act I mean you have to be willing to make sacrifices that most human beings aren't willing to make
0: Hi, this is Ray Zinn. Hi, I'm Jamie Martin from Ideal Shopping Direct.
2: I'm Kate Bell, founder of Zip Us In.
3: Hi, my name is Eric Aide-Patanson. I'm a co-founder of Seaborg Technologies.
2: Hi, I'm Katie Farrell, transformation coach, founder of The Catalyst for Life. Hey
1: everybody, I'm David Frangioni, CEO and co-founder of All Access IDA, Inspire and Develop Artists, and you're listening to Kizzy's Friday Game Changer. Check it out.
2: Hello, this is a message for you if you are a budding entrepreneur looking to start or grow your own business. My name is Jade Gemma, I'm a sales coach and strategist and I work with freedom focused entrepreneurs helping them to increase sales in their business so they can create their ultimate freedom lifestyle. I'm based in London and I work with entrepreneurs all around the world and my first tip to you is to make sure that you have experts available to give you the support and direction that you need. I didn't start to see real traction and success in my business until I hired a mentor and invested in business support. Everyone needs this. Don't take the slow route. Take the fast route and work with people who can tell you what you need to do and how you're going to get there and uh, really support you on that journey. My second tip would be not just with mentors, but make sure you've got a support network. We all can find entrepreneurship lonely, but it doesn't have to be. Make sure you find business friends, business buddies that you can work with who can support you, maybe you can collaborate and really pick you up on those days where you're going to feel down because we all get it and it's important that you have that support network on hand to pick you up so you can keep going. And my final tip would really be to not worry about all of the fluffy stuff in the beginning. Don't worry about the fancy branding, the website, the logos, all of this stuff. Customers, don't care about that they just want a solution to their problem they don't care what your logo looks like or what colors you use on your website so in the beginning guys, just focus on business critical activities sales and marketing and bringing in those clients and those sales and the last thing I would just add is enjoy it have fun entrepreneurship can be really fun don't create yourself a job that you don't enjoy You want to be doing things that you love with people you love every day. That's the whole reason why we have gone solo. So have fun, guys. I hope that was helpful. I wish you all the best with your business journey. My name's Jay Gemma. I'm online on social media at Freedom Zest. And you can find me on my website at freedomzest.com. Hope you have a fantastic year in your business. Welcome to Kizzy's Friday Game Changers with your host, Kizzy Quacha. A show for innovators and motivators, people just like you. Kizzy is the publisher of Business Game Changer magazine and the property investor, editor of the Successful Women in Business book series and the best-selling Every Entrepreneur's Guide series. Every week, Kizzy and his guests provide you with the tools you need to take your game-changing business to the next level. Listen, learn, and innovate. Now meet your host, your mentor, and your fellow game-changer, Kizzy Quacha.
0: Hello and welcome to Kid Friday Game Changers. This week I'm talking to Brian Stolly, a game-changing venture capitalist who's created over $1 billion in real-life liquidity for his investors as a founder. Now, Brian's story is truly mind-boggling. He's overseen the creation, go-to-market and market growth of product and service offerings that have achieved over $2 billion in revenue and... He's raised over $1 in venture, public market and investment management capital. If you're a startup and you're thinking or you're wondering whether you should go down the venture capital route, then this is a show you literally can't afford to miss. In just a few minutes, I'll be talking to Brian and uncovering his strategy for game-changing success. Take the phone off the hook, lock yourself in and sit back because it's Friday. I'm Kizzy and this, of course, is Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. Hello and welcome to the show. Brian, it's amazing to have you join me.
1: Well, I'm very glad to be here.
0: No, it's really good to have you here. Um, Brian, before we dive into the interview, tell us a little bit about Wildcat Venture Partners. What do you do and what makes you so different?
1: We invest in very early stage technology startups. Uh, By early stage, I mean pre-revenue in most cases or very little revenue, maybe a million or two. And uh, do so in specific categories where, where we have a thesis and an idea about where we think that market or that category might go. And do so by backing entrepreneurs with a unique insight into a market opportunity, typically based on uh, personal experience uh, you know, in business or whatnot that they've had that allow them to see this opportunity in ways that perhaps the market hasn't yet uh, appreciated and then give them the capital to go out and do that Uh, the thing that makes us different is one we're experienced operators we've all been on this journey before so we have an appreciation for it and an empathy for the entrepreneur that maybe is a bit different than is sometimes the case out there and the other thing we have is a playbook an early stage playbook which is tends to be pretty unique uh, out there uh, around how to actually go through the process from this early stage to the point of where you have traction or scale uh, and a point where most people will happily give you money because they can do a spreadsheet analysis and see it makes sense. Uh, We tend to invest when it's a little harder to see and understand that and where it requires a lot of experience and knowledge to assess that opportunity. And then we apply this playbook to help them make sure they get to that point where they're able to realize the opportunity that they're seeking.
0: And by playbook, do I take it that you're referring to this um, idea of a, a traction gap, which you use to foster the next generation of entrepreneurs?
1: Correct. Well, we call it traversing the traction gap. and It's based on both the collective experience of partners of Wildcat, but also very in-depth case studies of, uh, at this point, several, actually well over 60 successful entrepreneurs and early stage CEOs who took their companies from typically ideation or very early through to become uh, successful companies. Typically, they went public uh, or were acquired for um, very large uh, outcomes, typically more than $500 million.
0: <laughs> $500 million, did you say?
1: Yeah, that's the low end. <laughs> that's
0: the low end. In, ma-
1: in many cases, it was more than that, <laughs> quite a bit more than that.
0: Right, okay. I am definitely in the wrong business. Um, okay, uh, Brian, in traversing the, the, the traction gap, you identify traits that characterise these uh, tech startups who make the hurdle between coming up with an idea and going to market. I think you described it as the, when the rubber meets the road inflection point. Uh, what would you say are the most common traits shared by the successful startups?
1: One, they have a a plan and then they have a plan B and a plan C. Uh, So the entrepreneur or entrepreneurs have a a pretty deep sense of the problem that they're seeking to solve, uh, their unique way of going about doing that and why that's differentiated and value creating and why they'll be able to capture a significant portion of the marketplace. So if all of those those are very important parts of it, uh, really understanding your market, having a plan. And early on, uh, there's a very high correlation between entrepreneurs who hit their plan and long-term success and liquidity outcomes.
0: Right, that's interesting. So you you say that a successful startup should have a plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D, which sort of flies in the face of everything our teachers tell us about being an entrepreneur, where they say, you've got to be all in, you've got to have just one plan, and not even consider the possibility of a plan C, D, or E. But you say you really should think about these backup plans as well.
1: hundred percent. And it's not because you don't believe in what you're doing, but uh, you don't know. You're creating something new that hasn't existed. It's impossible to predict exactly the path you're going to follow. Uh, There tends to be less wandering down the path. You tend to be more straight line on the path. The more experience an entrepreneur might have around a particular category and the more experience they might personally have in building teams, leading teams, etc. But there's always uncertainty and unknowns and there's always forks in the road. And you can predict that ahead of time. You know that when I reach this point, it's likely to go this way, but it could also might go that way. And if you've done the thinking and the the noodling on, okay, here's, if it goes this way, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to hire. Here's what we're going to go accomplish. Here's how much capital we need to raise. But if it goes this way, then here's what I would do. Um, you know, we call that the prepared mind. When that moment comes where you have to make a decision if you've thought about the alternatives and you've thought about what you would do in the case of the most likely alternatives, Then you're not going to be surprised, and you're already going to know how to proceed. You're not going to be starting from scratch. You're going to know how to proceed down that alternative path, and you'll do it much faster and quicker.
0: And presumably, once you have this prepared mind, that makes you a much more attractive proposition for potential
1: investors. Oh, it certainly helps. You know, I I, I equate it to, or I compare it to, the Baja 500. I'm a motorsports enthusiast, uh, you know, off-road enthusiast, and. So uh, I use that analogy is, you know, the best teams that race the Baja, they pre-run the course. So Mm -hmm. before the race, they actually ride the course in their cars, trucks, you know, motorcycles, whatever. And therefore, they know some idea of what's going to come. The course will still change when when the actual race happens and there'll be differences and whatnot. But by running that course, they have that you know, foresight and knowledge about, okay, I got to watch for this here and I got to think about that there and maybe I'm going to go this way or that way there. Uh, It's the same thing when you think through what that course looks like. And and a very good way to do that, by the way, is to do a five-year financial plan. And a lot of people say, well, how is that even possible? Well, it actually is possible because I've personally done it. I've helped a lot of other entrepreneurs do it. And of course, it's not going to be right. We don't expect it to be right. But that very exercise of going through and building that five-year financial plan and having to figure out all kinds of things like what's the revenue going to be? Where's it going to come from? How many employees do we need? Reveals all kinds of things to you, you had never thought about and helps you understand sort of where the boundaries are, if you will, of what's rational and what's not. Um, I mean, I've seen a lot of plans. People make a certain assumptions about revenue. They run the model. Next thing they know, they're going to be $4 billion in three years. Okay, you know, that's probably not going to happen. So now you go back to your assumptions and you start, you know, scaling them back, thinking about them and whatnot. Or you might discover that, you know, if we hit this revenue number or this many customers doing it the way we think we're going to do it, we're going to have to hire 500 people and we'll be, we'll we'll lose $50 million a year. Okay, well, that's probably not tenable either. So you go back and you work the plan, and you think about the alternatives and whatnot. So that that act of going through and doing that really creates, you know, helps create this prepared mind. <laughs> uh,
0: Brian, when you when you said that um, one of the ideas that um, an entrepreneur has to embrace has got to be a creating a five-year financial plan, I think most of the universe sort of. Sucked in their, their their breath and said, "Really, a five year financial plan? What percentage of startups would you say actually understand how important this five year financial plan concept is?"
1: Oh, I'd say between five uh, and ten percent overall, and of the people that know what they're doing, have done it before, have experience. Probably somewhere between 50 and 70%.
0: Right. Okay. But the average Joe on the street probably at 5 or 10% understand the necessity for a five-year plan. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm going to be moving my, um, my thinking. And again,
1: in- I want to emphasize, it's not going to be right. And it's not the point for it to be right. You want to make it as right as you think you can make it. But at the end of the day, it's not about being right. It's about having thought through all the different variables that that financial plan reflects about your business that you're trying to create.
0: Well, that sort of leads me to my next very, very obvious question. Given the fact that uh, the odds are heavily stacked against startups, I think you said that in your your book, which we'll come to in a minute, that the failure rate is staggering. About 80% of startups Mm -hmm. fell. Bearing in mind that these odds are heavily stacked against startups, is it really possible to produce a definitive framework for building a sustainable business,
1: it is. Now that doesn't mean you're going to succeed. Oh, really? But it it is possible to build a framework that significantly improves your odds by making sure you know what needs to happen. You know what the what peers in the past have done, peers that you hope to you know um, um, you know replicate. Mm. And if you have that information and you know what the steps are that have to happen, and you know the various points in time you need to hit certain milestones and metrics, um, then it becomes, you know, more possible. I like to say it's a completely irrational act to start a company. Hmm. Makes no sense at all. The odds are completely against you. Nobody wants you. Nobody needs another one or whatever you're doing. They don't want to make room in their head for you. Um, so it's completely irrational. But if you're going to be irrational, which obviously lots of people do, I did, you know, It's it does happen. Uh, then it's an unnatural act to make it successful. And by unnatural act, I mean you have to be willing to make sacrifices that most human beings aren't willing to make, to, make, to build a great company. And the same is true, by the way, for building great art or great building or whatever else. Great things require sacrifice, real sacrifice. And one of the things that you've got to do is really think through you know, the path that you're going to go down And understand the sacrifices you're gonna make because again even there you want to understand what those look like and what those mean mean, I'll give you a great example when I started my last company myself and my co-founders you know we worked for free for the first year and not many people are willing to not get a paycheck for an entire year to try Mm -hmm. and see if they can build something of value. and it's a it is a risk no question about it Uh, and if you don't get it right and it doesn't happen then you know you're, you're you're behind now right uh, but if it does work and it does happen, then, you know, you're in a different place.
0: Brian, how do you survive for a whole year without a salary, without a paycheck? Uh,
1: <laughs> you get really <laughs> frugal.
0: <laughs> oh, my word. You must have and lost so much Hopefully you have weight.
1: a spouse that's working and hopefully you've saved up a little bit of money and you you hopefully haven't gotten too far out over your skis on your uh, your, your living expenses.
0: Wow! Talk about sacrifices. Uh, I'm wondering, did did that experience uh, of when you started your business and the numerous uh, startups you've encountered along your journey, is that what encouraged you to uh, publish your own book, traversing the traction gap?
1: Uh, it was. It was really to give um, a, a guide to people of how do you get through this period from. I've got an idea i've built something i'm ready to go to market um, usually it's not too difficult to raise capital to do that through fam- friends and family angel investors uh, seed investors etc but at some point you go from raising capital on powerpoints to having to raise capital off of spreadsheets meaning you go from an idea to okay now you've got metrics now you've got uh, financials. Now you've got revenue, et cetera, and you're going to be starting. You're going to start being measured against that. And that period in between that uh, is, is where the really tricky part happens. And but again, it, it, there's a pretty, you know, set set of steps you've got to go through. Now, uh, which exact steps you go through, how exactly you execute each one of those steps, how long each one of those steps take, can be very different between different kinds of companies, what kind of markets you're going after, what kind of problem you're trying to solve, what kind of technology you're using or trying to create or build. Um, So there's still a lot of devil in the details, but at least if you have a broad roadmap of how to get where you're trying to go, uh, it can really cut down on a lot of wasted energy emotion and wasted capital. And you know, wasted capital is the killer for startups, because at some point, no one's going to give you any more in your debt. And it's also a killer, even if you manage to slug through it, you know, by the time you get to the other end, you may have created so much dilution for yourself that the reward you get may still be very good, but maybe nothing like it could have been if you had been more efficient about that journey.
0: I think we can all relate to that, Brian. Um, The rewards are out there as long as you can plan for them and do all the necessary things you need to do to get there. Um, But hold that thought. We're just going to take a quick break and come back to our conversation in a few minutes. This week's boss star is Stephanie M. Casey, CEO of Lovage Inc., which is based in Dallas, Texas. Now, Lovage Inc., is a creative agency offering exceptional Wix website development and design, custom branding, creative collateral, and related marketing strategy. Stephanie's worked in major indie and new media on both coasts and in Texas for 25 years. Her wide variety of communications, media, business, and production experience led to the creation of Lovage Inc. But when she's not helping game-changing business leaders make mold and mobilize public opinion stephanie is a hugely talented musician here she is performing they come out singing have a listen to this touch with Kizzy's Friday Game
3: Changers by emailing fridaygamechangers at email.com and follow us on Twitter by searching for Kizzy's Friday Game Changers.
0: I'm Rupert Rickson, founder of Perspective Pictures and I've been trying to change the game for 8,760 days. That's why I listen to Kizzy's Friday Game Changer.
2: famous game changer
0: show game changer show game changer show welcome back before the break you're listening to Stephanie and Casey CEO of Lovage Inc performing the come out singing and I'm in the studio talking to game changing entrepreneur Brian Stolly a founding partner at Wildcat Venture Partners Brian I'd like us to play a game. Now, oh, look, this is, this is going to be great. The, the game I've got in mind is something we created on Kids' Friday Game Changers called Past, Present and Future. Now, don't be alarmed. It's completely harmless. All we're going to do is drill deep inside your head and uncover a unique insight into the mind of game changer Brian Stolley. Will you submit to the program?
1: Uh Sure. you don't sound very confident over there without anesthesia
0: (laughs) (laughs) well if we do anything wrong hopefully you would have forgotten it was me that did it (laughs) all right let's go all right um so as always during this section of the show you've got to imagine that you can hear a clock ticking in the background that's the sound of time passing by second after second imagine yourself traveling back in time to meet the young brian stolid just starting out on his entrepreneurial journey, the young Brian asks you for two pieces of essential advice. He wants you to tell him one thing he must make sure he does, and one thing he must make sure he doesn't do. What would you tell him?
1: Well, wow, just one huh. <laughs> I got a whole book. You got a list. Uh, I I would say uh, learn how to become a great team builder and team leader. Get as much management experience as you can. Uh, Take every opportunity you can to lead either indirectly or have direct reports. But but learn how to become a great team builder and team leader because nothing great gets built by one person. It takes a team. And the, the the when you look at the successes and failures in startups, the winners always had a great team.
0: That's interesting because I know that uh, every entrepreneur, every business uh, game changer that I've spoken to always seems to say that, you know, when you start off, you assume that you can do everything or you've got to do everything. And it's very, very difficult to to delegate or to find people to work with because you feel that you're the only person that can do the right thing.
1: You you gotta get past that. And and I understand completely. In fact, it's it's one of the, you know, first lessons you learn in management is how to get over that and learn how to delegate. You you just have to there's no other way to build anything to scale. So uh, you know, I completely understand that feeling, but uh, you know, again and that's what that's one of the reasons why I said Learn how to be a great team builder and team leader because that is a, a critical part of uh, absolutely doing that.
0: Is that a lesson that you learned the hard way during your the beginning of your entrepreneurial journey, or did somebody intervene and whisper in your ear, offering you this advice?
1: Uh, both. Uh, learned it certainly the hard way, and in, 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 you know the, all of the mistakes you make as a first-time manager. Uh, and then also, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to have a CEO who had taken enough interest in me to give me some executive coaching that helped accelerate that process. So I'd say really both of those things. Yeah. You know, I'd also point out, I, you know, and it just further to your point, uh, it, I would agree with the point. That doesn't mean you don't still have to go do it. Uh, in the case of my last company, uh, Agile, uh, I actually st- Launched Agile with the third team. I went through three teams before I found the one that would work, and we were able to actually start and launch the company.
0: Wow! And when you when you're finding this team, do you hire them according to their abilities, or do you hire them according to their attitude?
1: Oh, uh, a, a wise uh, Silicon Valley uh, mentor of mine once explained to me that always hire for. Attitude over altitude, as he put it, Mm. or as you said, um, experience or skills versus attitude. You know, you just can't teach attitude. Uh, You can teach skills, you can teach experience, you know, you can get, get people experience, but you just can't fix attitude or change attitude um I, I would add that um, culture is critical uh, i'm sure you've heard the adage that you know culture eats strategy for breakfast or lunch or whichever meal you prefer um and and it's true and um you know one of the things I did one of the things I looked for as an investor, one of the things I did as an entrepreneur was the very first thing I put a lot of brain power into, aside from the problem was the culture what kind of culture it will this company have? What does it look like?
0: Brian, you you sound like one of these business gurus. I mean, um, I I can understand now why you've written a book, because you've got so much experience of uh, talking to people and experiencing it yourself that um, it it really does come across when you talk. I'm I'm listening to you, and I'm scribbling notes feverishly, not because I want to ask another question, but I think this might help me later on, which I guess is a good thing.
1: Glad to help. (laughs) (laughs)
0: okay well uh, let's let's move over into the present what one accomplishment are you most proud of now we've read your list of uh, achievements and i i left a lot of things out because we've only got half an hour for this interview so you've done a hell of a lot but what one accomplishment are you most proud of and brian you can't say that they are got married or the day I had my first child, because everyone's got to say that. Otherwise, they get into a lot of trouble when they go home. So we just assume that those things are top of your list. But what one professional accomplishment are you most proud of?
1: Perfect, because I was going to say, aside from family, (laughs) um, it it would be that uh, even today, I have former employees reach out to me and say, "Uh, would you start a new company, please? That was a lot of fun, what we did before, and I'd like to do that again. It, it was the culture that we built and the success we had because of that culture and the fact that we enjoyed the ride.
0: See, you've you've mentioned culture three times now in our conversation, um, which kind of gives me the idea that if this is really, really important to you. Let's just touch on that just a bit more. How would you describe the culture that you create around the businesses that you you you're working in
1: there is no right or wrong culture though i mean there there certainly are some wrong ones but multiple different types of cultures work uh the example i use is if you look at oracle it's a very performance oriented culture um you know it, it's a it's a difficult culture uh, and a lot of expectations and a lot of people get burnt out and whatnot um, there may be negative consequences to it for people or whatnot that pe- pe- some people perceive, but it works, and it's a very successful company. And then you look at another culture like um, Netflix, where it's much more around how the team works together and behaves And, you know, how as a group they can go accomplish the goals that they're trying to do. So there's lots of different types of cultures that can work. And there's even some extreme ones like um, R.L. Gore. I think it's R.L. Gore, uh, the creators of Gore-Tex. You know, there's some very extreme edge cultures. Um, They can all work. Uh, what's important is to have one because culture, I, I, I explain to people that cultures are basically the guardrails on the business. You'll never be able to scale quickly and, and move with the speeds that Silicon Valley and you know tech startups move and whatnot if you've got to constantly tell everyone what to do or if everyone has to check in with you on every single thing that has to happen. You have to give a lot of autonomy and a lot of freedom to people to go do their jobs because there's just not enough time to check on, you know, get permission for everything. So you need guardrails. And that's what the culture gives you. You know, here are the guardrails. Do anything you want in between the guardrails that's on plan and on mission and what we're trying to do on strategy. Don't go outside these guardrails. And that's how you are able to give people the ability to go do their best work, really be productive, and for the company to really be able to scale much faster than the, the resources it has available to it would otherwise, you know, allow you know, lead you to think that they could.
0: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So the culture should be considered the guardrails for your business. Is, is that? Yeah, I guess that kind of that that sums it up, doesn't
1: exactly. it? Exactly. Yep. yep.
0: Okay, um, so you've navigated the past and the present with uh, infinite expertise and in ease, which I, I kind of had a feeling you would. So let's move forward to the future. Let's go 100 years from now. Brian, <laughs> I know you, I'm not going to be around, but you probably would because you've got all this energy. Uh, you put in 100 years time, you're probably be still here. But just in case you're not. How would you like to be remembered? What would your legacy be, Brian, in a hundred years from now?
1: Ooh, uh, you know, I, I, I think um, it's back to the first part. It's uh, as uh, somebody that helped other entrepreneurs achieve their goals and their dreams. And I mean, that—that's whether it was leading a team at Agile, on, uh, you know, as an entrepreneur, or it's working with entrepreneurs. Um, I just get great delight out of helping people achieve what they're trying to do and, and achieve success. And, you know, it's all them that, that's, that accomplishes that. Um, but you can certainly help them avoid wasted motion. You can help them be more focused. You can help them uh, with, you know, resources, connections and other things. They can speed that journey. And so uh, I'd say if if people were looking back, it was you know that that was somebody that really you know helped use um, culture and uh, focus and having a plan to help people better execute and and set up a, a standard for how do you go execute uh, a startup and make it successful.
0: It sounds as though you're. It sounds as though you're paying it back because I know when we talked about um the mistakes that you we all make at the beginning you said that you were lucky that you had a CEO that took the time out to give you some executive coaching. And it seems as though that's what you want to now do for other entrepreneurs.
1: Yep, definitely, 100%. And it wasn't just one CEO. I mean, lots of people, lots of people contributed to uh, my success and the companies that I've been involved with success. You know, it's funny that you've got this concept of, you know, the instant success, right? Uh, and I, I'll give you a specific example again from my life. Uh, Agile from startup to IPO was four and a half years. Wow. And the, the I think our target was actually four years, so we missed it. But we also thought that was a ridiculous goal. But nevertheless, we had it. Um, but it's fast. It, it was fast. That would have never been possible without two things. One, the 15 plus years prior of thinking about this company, thinking about the right kinds of cultures, thinking about how to uh, build a startup, thinking about solving you know, going after a particular market and solving the problems in that particular market, you know, all kinds of people. And then when we started the company, all the people that were there to help and lend support and, and be uh, you know, helpful to us achieving our goals.
0: You don't sound like your typical Silicon Valley venture capitalist, Brian. I'm saying that <laughs> like with great respect. Okay, I'm saying that. I'm listening to you, thinking, "My God, this guy sounds really humble, and he sounds he sounds really grateful for what he's been able to achieve because of the people he's got around him." And that that must make you very different from uh, other people in you in your line of work.
1: Oh, I appreciate you saying that. There's definitely others. Uh, <laughs> They tend to be the ones I like to hang out with, but there are definitely others.
0: Well, the more the better, I say. Brian, our, our conversation could go on and on, but I'm, I'm hoping um, that this would be the first of many, many conversations that we're going to be having. Um, let, let's touch base again and, uh, before the end of this year, definitely, uh, and so you can perhaps share some more insight and wisdom with our listeners. Would that be possible? Absolutely. Thank you so much. But, bef- but between now and then, I've got to say, Brian, it's been a real pleasure and an inspiration talking to you. I think I've learned a hell of a lot about uh, venture capital planning ahead and the need to make sacrifices. And so for that, I thank you. And I think our millions of listeners, haha, <laughs> millions of listeners all over the country and all over the world would take their hats off to you. Thank you so much for your time, Brian.
1: Uh, Kizzy, thank you.
0: Brian's incredibly inspiring story. It's a great reminder that you can't plow a field simply by turning it over in your mind. A clear vision, backed by definite plans, gives you a tremendous feeling of confidence and personal power. And as Eleanor Roosevelt said, it takes as much energy to wish as it does to plan. This is a lesson that game changers like Brian Stolly are teaching us every day. Listen, learn, and innovate. Playing us out is Stephanie M. Casey, and this track's called Dreaming Things. See you next week. Touch with Kizzy's Friday Game Changers
3: by emailing FridayGameChangers at email.com and follow us on Twitter by searching for Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. Hi, I'm Johnny Cole, CEO of Pay by Phone UK, and my Friday would not be complete without Kizzy's Friday Game Changers.
2: Game changer show, game changer show, game changer show.